You're listening to the Beyond the Boardwalk podcast with Andrew Wright. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond the Boardwalk podcast. I'm Andrew Wright and today we're finding out more about the Caribbean islands of Antigua and Barbuda. Coming up, we'll be talking Caribbean cuisine with the TV chef Shivi Ramata. Doubles is a street food dish. It's naturally, it happens to be vegan and it is just so full of flavour. It has so many, our Caribbean food is always bold. Find out what it's like to swim with Southern Stingrays. International flight attendant Kaylee Kay will be here with that. It was an amazing experience and the photos that we got of her with the Stingrays were amazing, but I have a bit more of a fear than her as a teenager. So you were very brave. And we'll explore the island's most popular sport, cricket, with the former Surrey and England cricketer Ebony Rainford Brett, MBE. As soon as you land on the island, obviously you're struck by the beauty and the heat and the sunshine and that sort of feel of it. But equally, I think you can tell that cricket is just ingrained in the DNA. So for someone like me who loves the sport, I've been fortunate enough to travel and then going there for a major tournament, you know, you could just feel it, the excitement for the from the local people about what the game means to them. That's all to come as we explore Antigua and Barbuda on the Beyond the Boardwalk podcast. You're listening to the Beyond the Boardwalk podcast with Andrew Wright. So welcome to the podcast and let's start our look at Antigua and Barbuda with a frequent visitor to the Caribbean. Kaylee Kay is an international flight attendant and also a published author. Kaylee, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I said you're a frequent visitor to the Caribbean, so you're the ideal person to set the scene here. In terms of Antigua and Barbuda, you've obviously been there a few times. What What is your overall kind of assumption of the country? Out of the islands that I've been to, I'm always surprised that they're all very different and much the same. But Antigua is the one that I class as the relaxed one. And it's the one when I speak to my customers that they're you get the most returning customers to, the ones that kind of really fall in love with the island. And then they get their routine, they make their friends and they go back year after year by the house out there. And I don't see that as much with the other islands, but yeah, it's definitely the most relaxed one that I go to. When I first went to the islands in 2021, straight after COVID, I kind of, it's kind of a bit, sounds a bit odd, but I was loaded into a full sense of security. The airport is ultra modern it wouldn't look out of place in europe or or the us but once you get outside that airport boundary kaylee the caribbean adventure starts on the trip to the hotel doesn't it yeah you could almost be forgiven for thinking you've landed in the wrong place couldn't you because you know at the end of it you're going to get your lovely hotel that you saw in your brochure but on the way there it's very rustic and raw and very local isn't it there's all the locals on the streets, the animals, the goats tied up on the little hills, the people selling their wares, and the houses. Um, some are, I don't know if they're half finished or half demolished. Um, they're just halfway in between <laughs> being a house and not being a house. And then somewhere up on a hill, there'll be the most beautiful big house, or, or you catch a glimpse of the sea and, and you see it, and then you get to your hotel and it's or down into the bay or wherever you're staying and suddenly you know where you are and you're where you expected to be. The island boasts 365 beaches, so it's kind of one for every day of the year. But the one I wanted to talk about today is where I stayed in, in Dickinson Bay, and I know you've been there as well. I stayed at the, the Buccaneer Beach Hotel. Kind of give us um, an idea of what we can expect in that bay. So like you say, it's the most beautiful bay with 
beautiful sand beaches, but there's lovely little quaint cafes there. Um, of course, the British telephone box, which is an icon on Instagram. If you don't get one picture in the telephone box and hashtag it, I forget what it's called. Um, but it's just, yeah, the sea is so calm. There's also the, um, did you see the swim up bar when you were there that's owned by an English owner? Yes. Who will make it her mission for you not to be standing when you leave and escort you back to the sea. So that can be quite good fun. But your whole day out is down there. You don't need to move from Dickinson Bay and the views of the lush greenery all the way around. It's just stunning, isn't it? Yeah, we often stay at the top of the hill and looking down into Dickinson Bay is breathtaking. The floating bar, you've just reminded me about it, it's quaint and curious in the fact that you, you know, you leave your flip-flops and you just put your swimming trunks on and a t-shirt and then they take you out in a boat to this bar that's sort of half a mile out in the, the Caribbean Sea. Yep, strong swimmers have been known to swim out. I don't, I've never seen many swim back. <laughs> but yeah, I, it looks like it's swimmable, but I'm not a strong swimmer, so I've never tried. But they do, yeah. I've, and it, ha it is a good, good fun afternoon when you get there. Kaylee, stay there and we'll chat more shortly about swimming with those magnificent southern stingrays. But I want to bring in Caribbean chef and TV presenter Shivi Ramata at this point to talk more about island food and drink. Hello, Shivy. Um, we're talking about Antigua and Barbuda, but can I ask you, what are some of the most popular signature dishes you'll see across the Leeward Islands? So you have your really um, well-loved commonplace exports, things like Jamaican jerk chicken. You know, you've got curry goat, um, the, the hails from, you know, curry chicken roti hails from Trinidad. So you've got those really well-known dishes. But in addition to that, there are some absolute gorgeous gems in Barbados. You've got um, cuckoo and flying fish. You know, you've got Guyanese pepper pot. Um, you know, Tobago's renowned for uh, uh, buljol and salt bakes. So, you know, there's some beautiful flavors coming from all across the islands. And of course, um, another island may have their version of curry chicken and or curry goat. And there is no wrong or right, right? The whole beauty of Caribbean food is the inauthenticity is what makes it authentic. Somebody takes the recipe and they may not have all the ingredients, but they'll make their curry chicken and you cannot not say it's not curry chicken, you know? <laughs> so we're going to put you on the spot here. G give us something really simple that's Caribbean that we can cook at home. Okay. So, I mean, I, this is something I did um, recently on the run of um, a, a show that I've been doing and it's a uh, jerk chicken with carnival rice. Now, I have a recipe for um, jerk marinade online, but I am all for people getting in the kitchen. So if it means you have to go into the supermarket and buy jerk paste in a jar, do it. There is nothing wrong with that. And actually, there's some great ones out there now, right? So it should be a joy. I don't want you to have to stress about getting loads of random ingredients because actually in jerk, there are a fair, fair amount of ingredients that marinate. So buy the paste. You marinated chicken legs, you pop them in the fridge. And while you're doing that, you've got your, um, your, your carnival rice. Now, this is by no means authentic, but what it does do is use a lot of Caribbean ingredients that are well known and put it into a rice salad, which, you know, nobody can sneer their nose at a rice salad and say, I'm not eating that. And it actually, then you're just tipping your toes into a little bit of Caribbean flavors. So in that Caribbean rice salad, you've got your rice, um, your bit of pineapple, um, coriander, red onion, um, some black beans, some scotch bonnet pepper. You can just drizzle a little pepper sauce in that. You mix that together. You serve that with a chicken that you'd have taken out of the fridge and baked and then popped under the grill to blacken up. So you've got a rice and chicken situation, but it's Caribbean, you know? <laughs> There's 
kind of a lot of staple ingredients in that dish. I'm guessing you'll tell me that most of those ingredients now are available at, at leading supermarkets. Yes, exactly. Um, and again, this is another one of my important messages. When I cook, it shouldn't have to be Googling online where to find ingredients. And actually, over the last 10, 15 years, um, the, the, the availability of more unique ingredients, I know not unique for anybody who's from the islands, but maybe for um, someone who is not used to eating that food um, in the past, you can find it like tamarind you find everywhere. Now, tamarind paste, you can't blink your eyelid without seeing it in the supermarket, which is a joy for me. And 10 years ago, it was a very different situation. The Caribbean, of course, is famous for rum. And it's fair to say I had a few rum cocktails when I was in Antigua. Can you use rum in cooking or is it just purely for drinking? Oh, I use it in cooking. So I've um, been uh, fortunate enough to um, be a recent um, local food hero for Pinot Cruises. And I've just created a menu for them for when you're in the Caribbean on the cruise ship. You can eat. I mean, it's a proper immersive experience. You're eating the food, you're in the ocean, you, you know, you're watching the Caribbean waters. And um, I have used rum in a few of those dishes in some savory, because remember, you, the alcohol cooks off and you get this warmth from the rum. But also I have this dessert that I will scream and shout about because I'm very proud of it. It's an edible pina colada. And I know there is not there are very few people who do not like a pina colada. And this edible version is a spice roasted pineapple, it's coconut sorbet, and it's hot buttered rum. Butter and rum together, oh my goodness, Andrew. And together, it's incredible. There's something about pina colada sat on the beach in Antigua as the sun goes down, isn't there? Oh, Antigua, Barbados, Trinidad, you know, on a ship on the water. It's just that being in that environment, you know, you just can't not have a smile on your face, can you? So tell me about this partnership you've got with P&O Cruises and, and the new ship that's coming up later on this year. What can people expect menu-wise on the ship? So for that, I will, you know, the, 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 the premise of it is that I have this incredible moving restaurant, right? And you're getting to go through the islands and enjoy food um, from where you are moving around. And within the menu, I've got two, um, two restaurants are hosting my menu. One is the Beach House, which ranges from very authentic, your Jamaican jerk platter, your curry goat, but also, you know, as I said, um, as I, I've, I've said a lot of the time, um, my experience from being a Trinidadian girl, then coming into the UK, is also reflected in some of the dishes where I take a lot of the flavors and a lot of the um, the, the history of certain ingredients, and I present it in a unique way. So things like I've got a watermelon and cucumber ceviche with plantain crisps. By no means authentic Caribbean food. However, the flavors and the ingredients I use are very much to the heart of Caribbean food. Um, and then if you want to go to the, um, the Taste 360 restaurant to get more, more authentic street food, my offerings there are curry crab and dumplings, which is a Tobagonian dish. It's palau, a rice dish cooked with um, coconut milk and ham hock and chicken. My mouth is watering talking about this now. Um, and, you know, I've also got a, a burger because you can't really give an offering of a menu without a burger, but this burger is a fish burger based on a beach dish in the Caribbean called Bake and Shark. So it's this gorgeous marinated fish with this tamarind and ginger. You know, I could go on about this for hours, Andrew, but you know, you get the idea. It's a beautiful range of food that hopefully Pinot Cruise guests will throw themselves into with that setting and the flavour. Magic, really. You're making me very hungry. Um, favourite Caribbean dish? What's your favourite? 
all doubles. So I'm from Trinidad. Of course, it has to be sent from Trinidad. Doubles is a street food dish. It's naturally, it happens to be vegan and it is just so full of flavor. It has so many, our Caribbean food is always bold. So there's sweet, there's spice, there's salt, there's savory all happening together. And it's two little bits of um, bread that, that's been fried with a curry chickpea and all those tamarind condiments, coconut, mango on top and rolled up. So it's messy food, but it's marvelous food. And favorite Caribbean cocktail? Well, anything with coconut and rum. I mean, I'm a pina colada girl. I know it's strictly, it's not strictly, strictly Caribbean islands, right? It's kind of like being adopted, but I'll take that. Give me a pina colada any day. <laughs> Shivi Ramutar, it's been a delight to talk today about the Caribbean and the food and, and the drink. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Caribbean chef and TV presenter Shivi Ramutar. Kaylee. Shibi's given us some great Caribbean food ideas, but I'm interested to know what you love to eat when you're in the Caribbean. For me, it's all about the seafood. Yeah, I'm, I love any sort of seafood, especially um, in the Caribbean, the mahi-mahi. You know, it's dolphin, but it's not flipper dolphin, it's fish dolphin. And if you're in there, it's very much the Barbados, the flying fish, but you can also get that in Antigua. So I tend to always go for seafood when I'm there, because to me, that's in my house, not everyone likes it, so I don't cook so much. And I always have it when I'm in the Caribbean. And you can't go wrong with some jerk seasoning on their fish. Have you ever tried food from the beach? You see an awful lot of, you know, locals cooking on the beach. Have you ever tried that? The rotis are out of this world. Yeah, the, the curried rotis with their filling. Yeah. Um, did you try one? I did. I tried um, some chicken when I was there that was was. was cooked on a open coals barbecue on the beach by some locals it was uber cheap and i have to say it was stunningly delicious mm -hmm. always i've never had bad food from the locals they know how to cook the best now of course we can't talk about antigua and barbuda and not mention holiday cocktails of course the leeward islands as a whole are famous for their rum i think i counted 12 different rum cocktails on on the beach bar we spoke about earlier what's your favorite cocktail when you're there it's going to be really boring. It's got to be the rum punch. Just the, <laughs> the one that they pull out from behind the bar in a five-gallon container, like it should be full of oil for your car or something. They've made up gallons of it. Um, you have to be careful, <laughs> but it's always good. Um, you have to be careful that it's not too strong. At some places, they'll make it a bit too strong. But, yeah, just be a bit wary. Don't get carried away. Let one go down before you start on the next one. But always good with a little bit of bitters and some nutmeg in. That is very good advice. I had two very strong ones and then probably fell asleep for a couple of hours. So, yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely good advice. There's no doubt that you'll see some breathtaking sunsets across those Caribbean islands. People need to take time out of their day to, to experience that. It's almost you need to kind of sit for a couple of hours with a drink, isn't it, to experience it. Where's the best ones you've seen in the Caribbean? Yeah, you have to have your sundowners in the, um, on the island. So obviously anywhere on the West Coast, but ultimately it's got to be Shirley Heights. I don't know if you made it up there and it is only on a Sunday. You can go up any time, but on a Sunday they have a party and they have music and they have cocktails and barbecues and, and the view, it's very high up by as you probably gather from its name, and it looks down over the whole island, and that's where you'll get your best 
best sunset yeah with the atmosphere to go with it kelly we'll come back and talk finally in just a moment but now let's explore the popular sport of antigua and barbuda that is of course cricket ebony rainford brent is a former england surrey cricketer who worked in the islands during the 2018 icc women's world 2020 hello ebony how are you doing yeah, first of all, good, but good. I'm uh, in the middle of Ashes fever at the moment, so it's cricket season, so <laughs> life is good and, and doing well. Thanks for having me. Now, you've been to Antigua and Barbuda, and, and in particular in, in 2018, when the ICC Women's T20 West Indies tournament was held there and indeed across the Leeward Islands. What were your first impressions when you, you went to Antigua and Barbuda? Yeah, well, first of all, I have to say it's up there with one of my best ever tours. Um, I think the magical sunshine is, is is quite clear. I think as soon as you land on the island, obviously you're struck by the beauty and the, the, the heat and the sunshine and that sort of... Um, feel of it but equally I think you can tell that cricket is just ingrained in the DNA so for someone like me who loves the sport um, has been fortunate enough to travel and then going there for a major tournament you know you could just feel it the excitement for the from the local people about what the game means to them so um, yeah it's up there we had so much fun on that that tour and um, I think as well what the, the West Indies bring is energy uh, so there was so much energy music everywhere um, and a real love for the game. I guess the most famous resident of Antigua and Barbuda is, of course, the cricketer Viv Richards. He had a phenomenal playing career everywhere you go on the island. You know, there's some sort of reference to Viv Richards. You know, there's a huge statue at the airport with all his achievements. In your mind, what made him most successful as that batsman? Yeah, I think, well, look, there's there's the stats part. I mean, he scored over 8,500 tests and his average across all formats was around 50. And you have to imagine, remember as well, this was in a different era. So he was scoring um, not only a weight of runs, but I think it was the style in which he did it. I mean, he had a swagger which uh, everybody loved. I think it, it doesn't matter what team you were supporting that was playing against the West Indies. Everyone was voting for Viv because he had style, he had flair, um, he took it to the the opposition, um, and and I think he you know West Indies at that stage as well, which wanted to uh, really impose itself on world cricket and what it meant historically. I think having someone like that who was out there as a figure, just taking on the game um, and taking down bowlers just sort of destructively, was so enthralling, so entertaining. So he is uh, he's one of the greats, Viv, um, and I, I think you can't help but just find out more and more about his legacy and just become more in love with the way he played and the way he took on the game. The 70s was a great decade for the West Indies. They, you know, they won trophies in 1975 and 1979, the Cricket World Cup. In terms of, you mentioned bowlers, do you think there was a fear that bowlers were like, oh, no, we've got one West Indian out, here comes Viv, Viv Richards? <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, well, they, they were blessed, weren't they, in the, the 70s and 80s. I think actually that West Indies side were really motivated to, um, you know, especially against England. And you look at the series that were played over that that era. They were, they were motivated to really show, because of the history of the, the empire, they, they wanted to dominate. So basically every single player came out and meant business, whether it was Clyde Lloyd, whether it was Michael Holding. And I think they... They just produced this swell of high-quality cricketers that the fear was there. So if you're a batter facing the Malcolm Marshalls and the Michael Holding, you would have... Remember, no 
helmets as well. So we're talking about Fast and Furious coming at you. Um, and, and then when it came to bowling, you know, you, bowling at them, you had, like you say, a number of high quality batters getting past Clive Lloyd, the captain for a lot of that era, uh, getting into Viv Richards. You're still scratching your head thinking how. So they dominate. I mean, I still think some of the records that they have and, and pretty much going almost unbeaten across a, a really long period, um, you know, they're up there as one of the greatest cricketing teams of all time and I don't think they can be beaten for what it meant to cricket uh, you know televised era and having all of that just coming at you was just really special you mentioned Gordon Greenwich Clive Lloyd Viv Richards that was a hell of an opening partnership wasn't it you know one two three and then as you said at the other end Malcolm Marshall Michael Holding and the person I remember with affection is is Big Bird Joel Garner you know what a size of a player it, it must have been very difficult for the Australians the New Zealanders the South Africans you know England playing against that aura of player yeah, and I think, you know, there was a there was a good tussle. You had Thompson and Lily from Australia who were two quicks, but I think from the West Indian having four or five coming at you, all from a height, all with real pace and all with a point to prove. And so I think it's 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 that, you know, I think it was the the depth, you know, sometimes in a team, you know, at the moment England have one quick of Mark Wood and we've seen the impact he has. But imagine you have four Mark Woods coming at you in one series or you have you know the weight of like you say Greenwich Viv Richards Clive Lloyd's coming at you with the bat so I think it was the depth that you had a whole side that were all at the peak cricket and um, you know it's quite intimidating quite scary uh, I can imagine to be out there having to face that I've seen so many um, you know the, the the tour back in England but you know the the make them grovel tour where uh, Tony Gregg got all the, the bruising and, and you know it makes you just realise the uh, the venom that they had that they 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 put fear in the opposition, but also a lot of respect. So that's what was really, I think, really key about that is they were so well respected um, as a team because of how dominant they were. And, and in terms of, I guess, why they were so successful, is it cricket being taught in schools? Is it just kids on, you know, grass patches in the West Indies? What was the DNA? What was the successful part of that era? Yeah, I think um, I think there's a few things. You look, there was a lot of natural athleticism, um, you know, within the community, and you've seen how much across a lot of the islands, you know, sprinters and, and basketball players. There's a lot of history there, but I think at that era as well, cricket was the main and only real sport that um, you know West Indies were dominating the world in. So every kid was growing up wanting to be there you know you think of the next generation of a Brian Lara coming through it's because he's seeing the Clive Lloyds etc and it produced a whole um, wealth of talent so that generation I think not only really wanted to use the platform of it to to kind of uh, show that they're independent you know a lot of West Indian islands were going through independence and it meant a lot to them a lot of pride but every single person the enthusiasm for the game um, you know became quite clear um, and you can still feel that history now. Everyone talks about it. I don't think we'll ever stop talking about that generation of um, West Indian cricketer. Let's move on and talk about cricket grounds in Antigua. I mean, I was blown away by the quintessential Coolridge cricket ground, you know, that borders the airport. And contrast that with the magnificence of the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium. I know you've, you know, worked in that stadium. You know, what's it like when it's jam-packed and, you know, and two big countries going head to head? I think the atmosphere is only rivaled by India for me. I mean, India 
in my career you know I've been fortunate enough to get to places like Mumbai and and the the, the sheer volume uh, in terms you know MCG maybe is another but the, the difference actually with the Savivian Richard Stadium and the Coolidge they're, they're smaller grounds but they still create as much noise um, and I think the West Indians love the musical elements so you have instruments and and um you know, also the noise and the atmosphere and the, the steel bands and, and all of that kind of adds to it. And, and West Indians are quite vocal in their support. So, you know, if they're feeling that moment, if they think that, you know, they want someone to bat more, you're going to hear it. Come on, get on with it type thing. And if they're excited, you know, you feel every single element of it. So um, I have to give credit to, you know, being out there, you feel the vibe. And when we were out there, we were out there for uh, the Women's T20 World Cup. I've been over to the Caribbean various times, um, whether playing or or um, there. But I remember in that tournament, actually, there was a real pride because the West Indies women were doing well and they were pushing it towards those quarterfinal stages. And each game, it was just like more and more noise, more and more people came from the kids to the grandparents. Everyone was um, just feeling it. There was an energy that was, you know, you couldn't help but... Um, you know feel that that emotion and they had I remember actually Shensia who's a big artist so if you don't know her go and check it out but having her opening and closing the show um, you know everyone loves the music in the West Indies so it just brought out that flavour as well it's almost a carnival atmosphere when you step into a big Mm. cricket game there isn't it yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, isn't it? You know, the music, the food as well. You've got to throw in the uh, the rich food that comes across the West Indies. I, I come from Jamaican heritage because uh, of my mum, even though I was you know, born and bred in England, but mum's Jamaican heritage. And I've always loved Jamaican food. And I've tried lots of West Indian food, but for me, Antigua was very close it was right up there with the flavors and the 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 taste and so you know when you've got barbecues kicking off and um all the dishes uh, coming on and then you've got the music and you've got the passion of the cricket it is like you say a true carnival and it's a whole family affair you know there's babies to young children to granddads and granddad and grandmas isn't there yeah, and I think that's what's really beautiful, actually. And, you know, um, when, when for me, sport is at its best, it's bringing different people together to enjoy something collectively. Um, and, and, you know, I think you, you can tell from the, the older generation, they grew up in that 70s, 80s era where they dominate. So sometimes they're frustrated if the West Indies aren't doing as well, but you feel that. And then they've imparted their joy and love for the, the game onto the, the, the younger generations. I think it's been quite exciting, actually, with the, the growth of the women's game. That's what I think surprised me as well. Uh, they've got the Caribbean Premier League, but you can feel when I was over there that that love, male and female, for the game was strong. Um, so that that real energy behind there, all, all parts of the family loved it. Grandmas were in there screaming, come on. And it was uh, it was really good fun. You mentioned a couple of moments ago that you played, you know, in Antigua and in the in the West Indies, and kind of it's a sun seekers paradise. People go there, you know, to soak up the sun, but it's also a kind. The Leeward Islands are very windy. There's also great humidity there. You know, does the weather play a, a big part in batting and bowling there? I was kind of thinking with all that humidity, it might favour the bowlers. But interested to get your take on it. 
Yeah, I think actually the first thing I noticed actually was the wind, the breeze, because, you know, I play in a, played in a lot of grounds around the world, but it was noticeable that especially when I was commentating, every single pitch report I would do, I would be saying, look, the wind is coming through here. You could feel that island breeze. And it meant that for a bowler, you know, if you're a quick bowler, you want to make sure the wind's going with the way you're swinging the ball. Um, and as a batter, you don't want to get caught either hitting into the wind or flirting with one that's going to take it away. So it definitely comes into play. I, I think historically, Historically, interestingly, you know, the West Indies has produced good quality fast bowlers as well as batters. So I think there's enough in it for everybody. The pitchers maybe don't have as much life as they did now as they did in in the um, you know 70s and 80s. And I think there's, you know, the, the dream to get that sort of fast, pacey, pacey wickets back. Um, I would say there's a bit in it for everyone. Um, I think I'd prefer to be a batter, but that's maybe because I ended my career as a batter and fast bowling is hard work. So, uh, but you're right, the conditions, they are unique. I think it's a mixture of the heat, the breeze, which not only cools you down, but it causes problems when you, you, you bat against it, but it can help you when you're bowling. We're here to talk about Antigua today, but I've got to ask you, favourite ground in the West Indies? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. Um in St. Kitts might be one of my favourite and the reason why I say that I mean I'm going to put my number two but obviously going over to, to Barbados um, and watching there I think Barbados is is the bigger island and I think you know when whenever England are going to tour that's definitely where they're going to play but uh, but I think for me St. Kitts being a smaller ground um, I played there and that was my debut against the West Indies in the West Indies and like back, I remember just being down there ready to bat. I got one of my high schools up there, but being ready to bat and, you know, you could hear the crowd. There was just so much energy coming from it. They were chipping in at you from the, the edge, you know, very vocal. Um, but there was just such an atmosphere that was there. So um, it's hard to pick, though, because I have to be honest, um, as well as being a player on the pitch, when you're off it, you can have so much fun in the West Indies and, uh, and made the most of it. So, yeah, St. Kitts, more because it's niche and it's got a really nice feel and I've got personal memories there. And in terms of Antigua as a country overall, you were there to work. When you had downtime, what, what did you enjoy doing there? Yeah, so, I mean, Antigua's got 365 beaches, I think is the, the number. I remember uh, when I got there, I got told and... There, I think that's what I like is that one it's a slower pace so I mean there was quite a few potholes in the road I don't know if they're still there but they're still you there. didn't drive too fast <laughs> they're still there so you don't drive too fast you're just cruising working your way around the and then you go and find like an amazing little beach uh, that you could have find your own like piece of paradise that no one else is there or there might be a tiny rum shack and so for me it wasn't about doing anything electric and crazy fast paced it was enjoying you know one of the beautiful beaches with a rum cocktail sunbathing listening to some reggae on the on the, on the the speaker so um it's mostly one of the most magical islands i think it's one of my favorites um i've actually just booked to go to i'm going to st lucia back soon but um i might be looking to go back to antigua as soon as possible because it is it is up there um with one of my favourite places. Also, Shirley Heights is Antigua, isn't it? Yes, it is. Which is is in a great place. I remember going to watch uh, uh, Curtly Ambrose, who's part of a band, play there. And it was, you know, just again, uh, perfect reggae music, perfect um, community and just loving life. So I think the music, the food, chilling on a perfect white sand beach with a cocktail is all that I, I was doing while I was out there. Let's finish today by just quickly talking about food. You mentioned, you know, your mother is Jamaican. What would be your favourite 
Caribbean dish, I guess is the question to finish on. Funny you say that. I actually just ordered some ackee and saltfish. Um, many people don't know what ackee is. It's a fruit, but it's like it looks like scrambled egg. Tastes a little bit different, but it looks kind of yellow and fluffy in these little um, balls. And then saltfish, which is amazing. You know, spicy. We make it spicy, putting some scotch bonnet pepper in there. Um, and then some fried dumplings. So like. You know, just really getting that, uh, you know, extra bit of grease in there, which is which I like. But yeah, for me, ackee and saltfish is my number one. I don't cook it anywhere near as the grates, um, but I love that. And then uh, I love the soups as well. Antigua had a lot of, they, they sometimes call it manish water or different different um, words in, in slightly different islands. But the soup with, the, you know, everything's been, um, the flavours have been going around for a long time. So yeah, ackee and saltfish is my number one Caribbean dish. Little Ebony, Rainford Brent, MBE, of course. It's been great to talk today and relive those Caribbean memories with you. Thank you so much for, the t- for your time. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You're listening to the Beyond the Boardwalk podcast with Andrew Wright. Former England and Surrey cricketer Ebony Rainford Brent, thank you. Kelly, I wanted to finish today by talking about excursion. There's a wide choice of land and sea tours of Antigua and Barbuda available to book via your hotel. But one of the tours we've both done that's quite unusual is swimming with Southern Stingrays at Stingray City. What are your memories of that adventure? See, what you didn't realise, Andrea, is that I never did it. My daughter did it. It was her idea. (laughs) (laughs) I got in the water and I let them take her off and her to have that experience because it had never, I'm a little bit, (laughs) yeah, it wasn't. It was an amazing experience and the photos that we got of her with the stingrays were amazing, but I have a bit more of a fear than her as a teenager. So you were very brave. But I don't think I ever told you before that I didn't actually do it. I just posted all the pictures of her. But it was amazing. If that's something that you feel that you could do and they assure you that it's safe, um, obviously we all know the one person, that that one story that didn't end so well. But they tell you what happened and how one in a million chance that was. So I was, I thought it was safe enough to sacrifice my daughter to it. <laughs> Still wasn't going to do it myself, I'm afraid. <laughs> yes. I got in the water. I got in the water. I just stood a bit further back and let her go in and hold them and interact with them. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say, as, as you will probably say as well, it, it is amazing adventure. And if you can, you know, if you're up for it, um, I, I think certainly when I got in, I guess like you, it is quite frightening because these stingrays are fairly large and they kind of bump up against you. But after about five minutes, I kind of found, you know, found my level of enthusiasm to, to kind of interact with them. And I was all right after that. Yeah, you're better than me. <laughs> Kaylee Kay, it's been a delight to talk to you about Antigua and Barbuda today. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, always a pleasure.